The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of Wrestling with Jonas Live. We are live across YouTube, across Twitch, and across Facebook Live. And today, I've got a, an awesome guest, uh, none other than one of the standout performers on the UK scene in 2022, Wild Boar, Mike Hitchman. Mike, great to have you on the show. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. Not bad. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I've been looking forward to this one. But for anybody watching live at home, if you've got any questions, you want to get in touch with Mike, send me questions, uh, any favourite moments from being a fan of Wild Boar, please get in touch. Send them through to us using your chosen device. They'll ping through to us and we'll do our very best to uh, bring them up live on screen. So get in touch now. We want your questions. Uh, but Mike, first of all, I have to um, uh, thank you for coming on the show. But I want to start with 2022 because uh, you've recently come back onto the UK Indies, haven't you? Um, how have you How have you found that experience coming back on to the, to the Indies um, after four, four and a half years um, under the WWE band? Um, is it a strange, uh, pleasant experience? Uh, tell us your experience of being back on the Indies so far, then, Mike. I mean, so when we when I was on a contract, I could still kind of do um, bits of Indies here and there, so I was still kind of uh, involved as much as I could. Yeah. Uh, given the contract uh, obligations, uh, but the main thing is just nice to see everyone again. It was nice to be around all the talent and stuff backstage, and it's nice to see. So. I, I, even though I have been around and kind of keeping track of it and stuff online and as much as you can, it's nice to see it up up close and you, you see like a lot of the, a lot of the talent uh, who were kind of who were really good when I wasn't around as often. When I've come back now, I've properly leveled up. Dan Maloney uh, was my first match back uh, properly on the Indies, and he, he just gave me one of my favorite matches, one of my favorite moments, but. I've been on shows with him uh, since then, and he's just he's just gone up and now because just gone up a level like that. Yeah. That super fight soldier thing is not is not a gimmick. <laughs> that's it's a, a lifestyle. That's, it that's, is. Real, that's reality, man. Like he's yeah. hey, he's he's operating on a different level. Yeah. Like us, like us as well. Um, he's gone up another level. Um, some of the stuff I've seen with him this past weekend with Chris Brooks has been. Incredible! He wrestled Mark Andrews on the weekend. He did. Uh, just gone another fantastic one. And that's just the ones I've been I've, recently that come to mind. There's yeah, countless, countless others that have absolutely, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, the scene is great at the minute. To be honest, I really do. It is, it is. And um, so I got to sample uh, Slam Masters on Sunday. You were there in a four-way. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the UK indie scene, I think, since coming back last year has gone from strength to strength and there's so many new promotions that have started up in the last 12 months which is really really good but i think just touching on one thing you said there that people that are maybe bubbling under the surface before 2019 2020 before lockdown happened have now kind of rose to prominence and are really set in the uk europe and further afield ablaze you mentioned dan maloney there that's oh God, 2021 2022 um that's been his his kind of he's been firing on all cylinders like kid there and so many others um, but how, how would you say 
the indie scene has changed. Have you noticed any noticeable changes since you've come back? And I know you said you did dates sporadically over the last four or five years, but have you noticed a, uh, you know, a particular change in the scene for good or for bad? Um, I feel like there's a lot of support, you know, like, yeah. um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if, if I'm totally honest, I haven't, I've only done a handful since I've been back. So it'd be, yeah. I can't really say a massive specific thing, it, but it's just nice. Everyone's just happy to be resting again. I think, you know, I mean, we've had, a, we've had a lot of two years to, two years off and not being able to really do much in front of a live crowd but I do feel like it's starting to pick back up again now crowd wise and I just feel like everyone's kind of like thinking now right okay this is now we're now we're off again now we're off and going and I do feel it's just going to keep on going on the up yeah yeah, absolutely. And just to echo your sentiments, I mean, this past weekend, we mentioned Slam Masters, but it was, it was a huge weekend uh, for wrestling in the UK. You obviously had uh, Royal, Royal Quest in London, the New Japan yeah. uh, tour, which I was at, and it was a fantastic show. You had 1PW come back on the on the Saturday. Yeah. Uh, you had uh, Sovereign Pro, their first show, and various yeah. other indies around the UK, and then Slam Masters. On, uh, on Sunday. So it was a hot weekend, but I think that just kind of illustrates how vibrant the UK scene is at the moment. And and quite an exciting time for you to kind of officially come back full time uh, on the UK Indies. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that should be sold short, to be honest. So, like, uh, I don't, I heard that Self Sovereign Pro did 500 people on their first, on their first show over the weekend. Obviously, the New Japan shows were in, looked incredible. They had packed yeah. houses. Um, John, promoter of Slam Masters, worked his ass off to get people in that building, and he had like over two hundred people, I, I think, in that building, which is yeah. his first show he's ran there. Um, and that's not that's not a small feat. It really isn't a small feat. No. Uh, but to have like though to get that many people in buildings alone is not a small feat. To do it all in the space of two days, yeah, at the same time, yeah. it's fantastic. That we, we're looking at like peak. Brit rest levels right there, you know, when it was real hot. That's that's that type of levels to me, you know. Yeah. If we can get more of that, play. Well, that, that, that's high praise, and from somebody that was kind of there in the peak during the, you know, 2016, 2017, when it was kind of at its heights. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Sunday then, because we did meet each other um, in Cardiff, uh, Slam Masters, the, uh, the Portland House, uh, which is an old kind of banking hall, a kind of a very grand uh, kind of uh, venue for uh, for wrestling. It had marble pillars, chandeliers, and then yeah. there was there was us downstairs, Mike, um, in what seemed like a bit of a dungeon. Uh, but uh, it was actually the, the old vaults, wasn't it? And I think it doubles yeah. up as a, as a nightclub in the weekends. And I was down there with my interview set, and you were down there with the guys in the locker room. So uh, I think there was a, a bloody electric chair down there as well, which was quite unnerving. Yeah. But uh, give us your kind of your recollection of Sunday and uh, the match you were in as well, because you were in a four-way, weren't you? And it was a um, yeah. like all the matches on Sunday; they were absolutely stellar. It was a fantastic card, um, a real celebration of, of Welsh wrestling and uh, British wrestling on the one roof. But uh, give us your uh, experience from Slam Masters on Sunday, then, Mike. Uh, so, so, so uh, the last the past weekend, uh, I I haven't really slept much since third Christ. Yeah, Thursday. So Thursday, I was up in Manchester for Modern Nomad, 
Then I had to come back and I had to get on a half past seven. I will get to Slammasters, bear with me. I had to get on a half past seven flight um, from Bristol to Paris, then Paris to Helsinki. Did a show in Finland on Saturday. Got a flight back uh, Sunday morning. So I literally came back off the airplane straight uh, to Cardiff, Portland House. Um, so I was a little bit like, like I was in yeah. a bit of a daze, right? I was like, uh, it was great though. I love it. was great to be able to do a weekend like that uh, after so many years uh, of not having a weekend like that. Uh, it was a really cool experience. But it was like, it was, yeah, it was, it was good vibes. Good vibes. There's a lot of uh, there's some guys there who like I've known for years. There's some people I've only just met coming up on the, on the Welsh scene. Uh, obviously, people I've known most of my life in like Mark Andrews at this point. Uh my best mate Brendan White. Uh and yeah, uh the yeah. And I was able to work with people I've had a hand in training in uh Elijah yeah. and uh James Ellis. I've known Danny Duggan for years as well. He's been around a long time. But it was cool to get in there with uh a James like James Ellis again who I think he's really gonna he keeps on the way he's going. He's really going to do something uh, on the British scene. Uh, and I think Elijah is an incredibly underrated professional wrestler. Um, he, fantastic look. Incredibly capable in the ring. I think he just needs that one that one little thing. One little thing to tip him over the edge. And I think he's really going to... I think people are going to like see, okay, Elijah need, Elijah's here now. We need to really get on the bandwagon. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like a really nice, really good show. Like I said, yeah, a bit, a bit of everything, uh, and that venue was tremendous. I love that. I love that. I love that venue. Um, I remember I did a show. That's the venue. Beautiful, beautiful. I did a show there once. Um, I ran a, I ran a wrestling show at a wedding that was in that venue, uh, and I remember specifically saying to Brendan White, "Is Brendan, Brendan White was wrestling Eddie Dennis on that show." And I was in charge of the music and stuff. I wasn't wrestling. I remember saying to Brendan, I was like, I had this idea halfway through the show. I went down, I went to Brendan, you're going to come up to Taylor Swift love story. And I want you to hate the fact that you're coming out to that. And he was like, oh, okay. And in my head, I was like, is this booking, is this booking genius? This is like promotion genius. And he comes out and he's like hating it. And the crowd and everyone knows love story as far as I'm away. I do anyway, you know, so everyone's, um, Everyone's chat, everyone's singing love story to him, and he's like losing his mind, going "Shut up, shut up!" <laughs> and Eddie Eddie Dennis comes out to party hard and party if you know, and th- then he gets classic Eddie Dennis reaction coming out to party hard. So it was a nice contrast of you know, it was, it was just a really fun day. Anyway, really like the venue. Really yeah, like absolutely, the absolutely. I'm gonna flash that one. You were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, and like I say, you 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 went over, uh, you, you won the match, which uh, is always good. But um, I mean, just just sticking with uh, the Welsh theme at the moment, because over the last month or two, um, like I say, it's, it's been a real celebration of pro wrestling around uh, Wales and around Cardiff in particular. 
Obviously, last month you had the WWE in town, uh, over 60,000 seats in the Principality Stadium. I was there, a fantastic day. Um, you also had ICW in Cardiff over the weekend as well. On the Sunday, we had Progress and TNT. Had the chance yeah. to meet you in the tram shed. That was a really good uh, couple of shows there. Um, and, and then, of course, you got Progress coming back later on this month. Um, and like I said, I think South Wales um, has always had a strong tradition of fantastic uh, indie wrestling and uh, it's created so many fantastic names over the last well decades really but certainly over the last 10 to 15 years um but like I say, one thing that Sunday at Slam Masters proved to me, and like I say, the, the few shows that I've been in Cardiff um, over the last couple of months was that the fans are just, I think, some of the best fans in the whole of the UK. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast, but like I say, I've seen it with my own eyes and my own ears in the Principality, in the Tram Shed, um, in the Portland House on Sunday, that the Cardiff fans and the Welsh fans um, are loud and enthusiastic like nobody else. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're incredible. They're incredible. And it's um, it's from my memory. I remember go ahead. Remember when we did the first attack show in Cadiz, and a lot of people came. Were a lot of Mark Andrews friends, a lot of Eddie Dennis friends, because they were like kind of uh, grew up in Cardiff and stuff. And a lot of them, plus casual fans, didn't really know how to react to wrestling because it was just not. I mean, the last wrestling they that would have been in Cadiz would have been NWA UK Hammerlock, where like Fergal Derrick was in there. You know what I mean? Like um, Wade Barrett as well. People like that. It's just long, long time ago. So when people were there, it was, I remember being so quiet. We used, we had to work so hard to get any sort of reaction. But then over year, over the years, um, I feel like uh, myself, Mark, Eddie, uh, Flash, Pete, uh, Brooks, like us. Maloney, all the boys, you know, all the attack boys, Bird, um, all the attack boys built something, and girls, sorry, Nixon as well, mm. uh, built up a nice little following and a nice little uh, scene in the Cardiff area. And then this little, uh, which kind of is, we're starting to bleed a little bit in different parts of the country. Uh, I'm not saying I'm, take, I'm not saying we're taking credit for it. I just remember saying, I remember seeing when it wasn't like it is now, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Slam Masters uh, crowd on the weekend were fantastic, and um, the Nomad Modern Nomad show uh, I did back in Cadiz as well. They were fantastic, and they were really, uh, really friendly to me uh, specifically because I remember that. I remember getting a bit emotional afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, fantastic places to work around Wales, and it's nice to see so many promotions popping up now. You know. I remember when there was nothing. I remember there was like one promotion in Wales, and I was, that was it. Yeah, and now there's four, five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Cardiff. laughs> well, I'm, I'm learning. Well, this is it. I'm learning more about the the Welsh wrestling scene all the time. And uh, like I say, I've actually got Mike Bird coming on the show next week, uh, nice. live on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. So I'll be uh, learning even more about the Welsh wrestling scene through Mike. But um, We'll talk more about Attack Pro Wrestling a bit later, Mike, because I really want to get into Attack Pro Wrestling, and there's a couple of reasons why, and you mentioned some of them already. But um, I, I want to talk about WWE and NXT UK, and uh, I'm sure anybody watching this uh, might already be known, and, and wrestling fans around the world will know that uh, uh, WWE, they they unfortunately closed the doors. They, they made the decision uh, not to continue with the NXT UK brand. It was probably last month or very early September. Um 
which was extremely sad news. And like I say, I followed the brand from day one. And uh, like I say, I, I thought at certain points it was the best hour of wrestling you'd find anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. And uh, like I say, not just because I'm from the UK and a fan of a lot of the talent on the on the roster, but it was that good, especially when you had some of the UK takeovers and we, we'll talk about some of them. But um, how did you first find out that NXT UK was uh, being discontinued or having the doors closed on that brand there, Mike? Um, it was... So... We just, uh, it's difficult to kind of say, really. It just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it just kind of happened. They explained uh, the situation to us, and it was like, okay, well, there we are. What's that? Um, and yeah, that is, it's, not it's not really a long, in interesting story, if I'm honest with you. It was just kind of like, this is the decision. This is what we're doing. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 and, and I mean, yeah. because you, along with many other of the talent from NXT UK, were kind of uh, uh, let go from their contracts after I think you'd been with the company over four years, Mike. Um, but um, I mean, emotionally and on a personal level, kind of how did you feel? Um, say having spent the last four years under that banner um, with say all the other amazing talent under the NXT UK brand um, you know it must have been maybe uh, I don't know a, a bittersweet moment knowing that uh, like I say you, you're not going to be under the WWE banner anymore but you'll get an opportunity to get out on the road on the UK indies but uh, what, what were your emotions uh, during that time? Um, so when I initially got the call it was a bit like oh god okay what am I going to do now you know mm. um, and then it's like okay well all right, well, I can either be upset about this and I can let it kind of consume me a little bit and then yeah, that just doesn't help anyone. Or I could think of it as, well, I've had a great four and a half years here. I've learned a lot. I've worked with Shawn Michaels, Regal, Matt Bloom, Johnny Moss, Robbie Brookside, James Mason, uh, just to name a few. Uh, so I know myself that I was a better, I'm a better wrestler than I was when I first came here. So I'm thinking, right, well, I can get out there now. I can get back on the Indies. I can make decisions for myself where I want to work and where I don't want to work, who I want to work with, um, etc. And I can show the world on my terms what type of performer, what type of wrestler that I am now. And like I said, I'm, I'm very confident that I'm a much better performer, much better wrestler, much all-around uh, all wrestler now than I was four and a half years ago. So... A lot of very positive uh, off the back of that initial, oh, shit, what am I going to do? You know, the, the stability is gone. But then without that stability comes a little bit of weirdly excitement. Like, okay, well, the world's my oyster now. I can, I've always wanted to go to Japan. That's always been a, a goal for me ever since I first started wrestling. So now that actually becomes a, a thing that I could do. Um, I've, always, I've always wanted to wrestle all around the world. And that is now a thing that I can do. Yeah. Uh, so as much as it was sad, you know, and it was, you know, uh, I loved working there. They were very good to me, especially when I had that injury. They were very, very good to me. But it's just an exciting prospect to kind of be out there now and, okay, what what can I achieve on my own now? What can I do yeah. with this version of myself, you know? 
Absolutely, absolutely, and, and very well said. Like I say, it's great to have that positive mindset. Like I say, obviously there was that initial disappointment, but then thinking, crikey, now the world is my oyster and I'm yeah. my own kind of booker and I can kind of go wherever I want and uh, whoever wants me. And uh, I know you're getting plenty of bookings, but um, just thinking back to when you first started with the brand, um, and am I right in thinking that your very first match inside a WWE ring was inside the hallowed hall of the Royal Albert Hall back in 2018. I think it was during the, the second UK tournament they did there in 2018. Was that your first match inside the WWE ring, Mike? That is, that is correct. That's crazy. And I found, about, I, found, I found out about it on the morning of. No. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, does that give you enough time to kind of prepare? And uh, I mean, uh, I'm guessing that you uh -huh. uh, go into the building anyway. And, and uh, like I say, being told on the day must have, um, I, I don't know, been an interesting experience for you. It was, yeah. I mean, it was quite cool. I mean, like, you, if you don't, in my, in my, in my head anyway, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of hoping that I could do. I was hoping I get to do something that weekend. Yeah. Didn't think it'd be a singles match to open the second show. But there we are. You know, like I said, if you, if you're, if you're a professional, you know what you're doing. You know how to do it. You're confident in your abilities. If you're in a position like that, or you're asked to be in a position like that, then you just go, okay, yeah, let's go it, let's do it. You know, I remember when we, when I actually got to the venue, it was actually Pete Dunn who told me that I was that was happening. Uh, he just seen he just seen the sheet and he came up to me. He was like, <laughs> you're on today, you know that, right? And I was like, am I? Am I? I? <laughs> am I? He was like, yeah, yeah, you're on first. And I was like, oh shit, okay, that's sick. We're good. Wait, well, job done then. You know, there you go. Yeah. I, I remember, and, and I initially wasn't a part of the tournament, and I think it was I was one of a handful of people who were signed at the time, but not in the actual tournament. So I remember being a bit like bummed out about it. Yeah. Uh, but in you know, in hindsight, would I rather wrestle my first match at Download, or because that's where that's where some of the other pre. Uh, uh, quarterfinals and stuff were, yeah. or I'd rather my first match be in at Royal Lab at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of lucked out there. And it was, it was a really inc uh, incredible experience. Absolutely. Uh, to to Look at that. Yeah, Look at madness. That. Beautiful. Madness. Absolute madness. And what a show that was as well. Both days, incredible. I remember um, Undisputed Era against Mustache Mountain being absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Like, madness. Madness. It really um, was. Yeah. It really was. And to, to take us back to when you first signed or when you first got signed, because uh, I understand you got you got an interesting story of when yourself and Flash uh, were kind of putting pen to paper. But to, well, I'm guessing you signed kind of earlier on that year then, Mike? Mm -hmm. Yes, we did. Yes, we signed a few months before that. And the story you're leader, your story you're on about is when me and Flash were backstage at the O2 and we had the contracts in front of us and we flash went to me right on three we'll sign and we looked at each other we were like yeah one two three boom okay signed at the same time and that was kind of a cool little moment for us because obviously we'd start and we'd uh i've known uh flash for too long 
way too long i've known pretty much all your life i would say <laughs> most of my life at this point <laughs> most of, yeah more than half of my life at this point and we I remember we used to like backyard in my garden we used to like build rings in my garden and up the valley mountains and stuff like that and build you know we used to steal um builders kit you know the big steel cages that they kind of box off the they build sites. yeah we used to steal them and make like steel cage steel cages and put carpet on the floor and we'd have steel cage my elm cell matches and stuff like that so i have known him since since then so to get to the point where we are signing our wb contract at the same time at the o2 arena in london was madness you know that's something that you just don't think is ever going to happen especially from when you're two boys from random valley that we're from you know which is not a thing that anyone thinks is going to happen you know so yeah yeah. yeah, and then, like I say, on top of that, after the Royal Albert Hall show and the, the brand was announced, um, uh, shortly after was the, the the initial TV tapings, and it was kind of became a, a weekly uh, weekly TV show. As I mentioned, probably the, the hottest hour of pro wrestling um, anywhere in the world. Uh, every single, I think it was every single Thursday night. I remember watching it, and in fact, the Wrestling with Jonas podcast started actually reviewing NXT uh, on a weekly basis. So I did that for the first year or so. Oh, wow, so okay. the first um, six to nine months before I interviewed anybody oh, purely focused on NXT UK um, and reviewing that every single week but take yeah. us back to some of them early tapings then Mike because you were still in singles competition very much singles competition back in them early tapings um, I think it was like Cambridge, Birmingham, Plymouth yeah. Liverpool uh, and then there was a set of tapings um, after the very first takeover in Blackpool as well. And you were part of all of those, uh, sometimes in dark matches, sometimes actually uh, as part of the show itself. But being quite a, a, a fresh and new product, it must have been quite exciting, not just from a fan's perspective, but also from a talent's perspective as well, Mike. Yes, 100%. Um, so it was a different way of wrestling. Hmm. It was a different way you had to think. Um, and the general way that everything's uh the 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 day-to-day -day of how the shows are run so obviously an independent show you just turn up at a underscore time yeah and then you kind of do the match you leave tvs you, you arrive a lot earlier uh, you're staying in a fucking lovely hotel um bus to and from the venue catering nice bit of food you ain't gonna worry about anything really apart from your match so it's quite cool to have some of the pressure taken off in that aspect to be replaced by another lot of pressure when you got to be in ring doing your thing with Shawn Michaels watching you, Triple H watching you, you know, um, others watching you. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And just having to kind of like, like I said, think about different things, but it's such a great learning curve having to do those things because you kind of, uh, as a Royal, Royal Albert Hall, as an example, right? I always think, and this is where I tell uh, some trainees as well, who've been, who get nervous and stuff through certain matches, right? Is I always just think, if you do something which totally takes you out of your comfort zone, anything, so if like Royal Albert Hall is up here and then you're nervous as hell before going out there, odds are, it's going to be a big thing to get anything above Royal Albert Hall, which takes you to a nervous place again. So anything below that, in theory, you should be fine with. And that's how I always kind of thought about it. So I, with that type of stuff in mind, I always just thought, right, well, this is, I did this, you know. Yeah. So 
I always want to take that next bit and then, okay, so this is the next bit. So I concentrate. I'll have that confidence that I gained from doing other things. Yeah. And I'll try and use that to do a good job and do the best I possibly can. And then we'll move on, right? And I feel like wrestling is really good for that because it puts you in so much, in such weird scenarios that you you don't really, you can't anticipate because it's, that's just the way, just the way it is, yeah. you know? Constantly uh, uh, stretching your comfort zones, I'm sure. Yeah, massively, massively. You can wind up to a, you come up to a show thinking, "This is gonna be, this is gonna be an easy night. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a night that I understand. This is what I think is gonna happen today, and yeah. I'm not, and it's relatively easy." Then the day goes a certain way, and then you turn up to the show, and then you're like, "Okay, well, this is not how I thought today was gonna go." Shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you have to do something. You know, you have to uh, overcome uh, that. You know. Yeah. But uh, th- those experiences kind of like stretch us as as human beings and yourself as a, as a performer. And like I say, we learn yeah. from those experiences. But uh, Mike, we've had our first live question come through. Um, sure. And it's from uh, Dennis Day Jr., who's uh, watching us all the way from uh, the United States. Thank you for watching yeah. us, uh, Dennis. Uh, I'd like to know how much of an adjustment, if any, uh, Mike had to make when he signed with NXT UK. So uh, coming from the, the UK Indies, uh, being a top prospect on the UK Indies, going to uh, W. WWE and NXT UK, did you have to make any adjustments? And if so, what were they, Mike? I think the adjustment I made was do more of what I do. Because mm. we were told, we were expressly told, nobody here is uh, signed for something they can change. Everyone here is signed because they do some, they do what they do well. So what I found is I just did what I did, more of it. If I, you know, I was, yeah. if I was nasty, if I was aggressive, if I hit hard, I just did more. Just yeah. did more. Maybe looked at things in a certain different way. You know, you speak to certain people who can give you advice to say, okay, that was good. Now look at it this way. Maybe do some things this way and that way, which isn't necessarily changing anything. It's just evolving what the type of wrestler you have. I feel like it, I feel like sometimes the place gets a, a rep for, Okay, we sign you, and then we change change everything about you. Which in some cases that does happen, but with NXT UK that wasn't that really wasn't the case. It was everyone was there for a reason. It just they was there to improve everyone. I thought, and I do think everyone was made way better for being there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I loved about the NXT UK brand was uh, they didn't go out of their way to change anybody. They just focused on how to kind of uh, emphasise the positives and give everybody the opportunity to go out there and do what they do best. Um, but uh, one kind of moment I want to talk to you about, and now I think it was in November 2018, and the WWE were over here in the UK on a, on a UK tour, and uh, you had the opportunity to be on a WWE house show or live event show in Cardiff at the motor point against Mark Andrews, didn't you? So with the, the biggest and the best names in the industry on the WWE roster over here, you was on that card with Mark Andrews in front of, I should imagine, friends, family uh, from yeah. the local area. That must have been a real buzz for you. It was, yeah, it was mad. Um, considering I remember wrestling Mark for Mark, ex- like specifically wrestling Mark, expressly working Mark and working with Mark for the first two years of my career. Um, all up and down Wales in like smaller, uh, smaller venues up and down Wales, uh, random rugby clubs and stuff like that. And then we get the chance to wrestle uh, 
at the Mortal Point Arena, which is like uh, you know, in Wales, it is one of the, obviously Principality is the arena, but the Mortal Point is the other arena, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's a really cool moment to be able to do that. And I remember finding out about it as well. Um, Mark Mark was the one who kind of said, "Oh, you've seen this," and he showed me all the stuff, and I was like, oh, "What? Are we? Oh, this is what we're doing." And I remember the day, the the date of the show was the date of my late grandfather's uh, birthday, right. which I found an incredible coincidence. Um, so that was, again, that was re- that was really cool, and I even backstage was really fucking sound. Um, I had some great advice off people backstage and stuff like that, and producers uh, who were looking after the show. So it was a really good experience. Um, and again, crowd. Were well, you looking for friends and family in the audience, Mike? Were you looking out there for seeing if you recognised anybody? <laughs> I didn't bother. <laughs> I didn't see the point. Anyway, I wasn't going to see him. I was just looking at this massive, the sea of humanity that was there, like you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When um, NXT UK really got going, and I know in 2019 uh, the TV show had been established, and then you started teaming with Primate, didn't you, in The Hunt? Um, now, going back through your records, I think you might have teamed or worked with Primate maybe a few years earlier. Um, but w- when were you first approached about starting this team with Primate, The Hunt, um, on their TV show? Um, and was it a kind of an idea that you was kind of fully behind at the time? So the first time we wrestled, we worked with these. We've only we only teamed up once before, yeah. Uh, outside of WWE, that was NGW, and I think it was a very similar basis as to why we were put together because we have a similar style. We're both kind of animals, can I? Yeah. Named after animals, I don't know, <laughs> um, but um, yeah. And then we tagged once in WWE against the Grizzled Young Veterans not as the hunt and then i think going forward we had a conversation was like okay we i think we might use you as a tag team and then we uh had a conversation with certain individuals of the roster and the name the hunt was suggested and we pitched the hunt as a tag name and that's what we went with and then we were we were used quite well uh i thought we had some really good matches with the likes of Imperium, Gallus. Um, we had like like pretty deadlies first matches there. Um, I know the boys are wicked, you know. Yeah. Um, you had a nice little feud with uh, Mark Andrews and Flash, didn't you? In uh, I think it was 2020. Um, yes, unfortunately, I didn't get to finish it because I did my knee in, but but we were off and running with that. Yeah, uh, when we had Eddie Dennis uh, with us. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean Eddie's made a, a triumphant return to the UK Indies himself, and has uh, had some uh, say great showings in Progress and various other companies. Um, but uh, I, I say that that was a, a lot of fun. And um, what were some of your favourite moments uh, teaming with Primate? Um, let's say in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Uh, so I really liked the matches we had with Imperium. To be honest, they were incredibly physical, um, and it was kind of a bit of a trial by fire. I thought uh, for us to be honest, because uh, the one day we had to wrestle, uh, we had to we had to wrestle pretty deadly, and we had to wrestle Imperium on the same day. 
And I remember it was a bit like, oh, okay, right now we now we now we now we go in. Now we gotta go. Now we gotta get our heads into it, and we gotta like sort this tag team chemistry out, right? We always we 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 had good cam. Sorry, we had good chemistry anyway. We just kind of worked quite well together. Um, but it's a different thing with getting that tag chemistry right because we hadn't worked together a whole lot or wrestled each other a whole lot. It was kind of like learning on the job a lot with me and uh, Primate. And I thought those matches really helped us a lot. And the Grizzled Young Veterans, uh, working with the Grizzled Young Veterans, it was really such a learning curve as well. Incredible tag team, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like working with working with the vets, working with Imperium. We yeah. had some fun ones with Gallus too. Um, so the, for me, those, those are my highlights. Absolutely, and um, we're going to talk about the uh, the dog collar match in a minute, the 2022 match with with Eddie Dennis. Uh, but we did have another question because when you came back after your injury, and you was out for about a year, weren't you, Mike? But when you came back, uh, you teamed a fair bit with uh, with Mark Andrews. Now the next question is via uh, Darren um, uh, Ewan. Uh, you and uh, via Facebook, how would you sum up your experience in NXT UK? Um, and uh, would you like to have had more matches in NXT UK tagging with Mark Andrews? So, would you like to have had more matches with uh, with Mandrews on the NXT UK brand? Uh, do you think you, you could have done more teaming with him? I think so, yeah. I mean, like in, in terms of like when I was talking about chemistry earlier and um, in ring chemistry, um, it might be one of the people that I have the most chemistry with purely because we've faced each other so many times so we kind of we used to help how each other move in the ring and, and this and the other um, so I, I definitely would have liked to do more tagging with Mark and see what we could have done and what type of things we could have done in ring together you know and obviously Mark is really good, made a really good friend of mine so uh, uh we always kind of gelled and had some really cool ideas and it was always always real good always real good uh working with him yeah that was, yeah. That was a fun one as well you had you had a shot of the uh the nxt uk tag team titles didn't you against uh, yeah. uh brooks jensen and josh uh briggs which was uh, another really fun match um yeah. but uh, let, let's talk about the the match that i've been alluding to then and that's this one here the, the dog collar <laughs> match uh with with eddie of course now of course he was the uh the the mastermind behind uh the hunts he was the mastermind behind symbiosis uh but of course you know obviously um you came back had this feud with Eddie Dennis because I think he set T-Bone and Primate on you uh, in this angle uh, which which covered your injury and when you came back you was out for blood weren't you and had that amazing yeah. dog collar match and I think that that was probably your standout singles moment during your NXT UK run I don't know if you'd agree with me uh, I would I think, agree uh, I, th I, would I think many people would say the same but uh, tell us about that match because I know that you know Eddie very very well but that must have been a lot of fun to put together and a lot of fun to execute as well it was it was um incredibly violent there was um tell you what those chains you, you don't think that they're going to work the way they do and that isn't necessarily when you look at it it's not exactly a heavy chain yeah but it sucks when it hits you i bet and also what you don't think about is should you fall over or should you get thrown the chain is then going to go whoosh, 
yeah. after you, and then you don't know where that chain is going to land. So there's a, there's a few times where it, like it would have hit myself or Eddie in the face, and it's just like, oh shit, like you know, and it's, even though it's not that heavy, if if chain like that hits you in the face, in the nose when you're not expecting it, that sucks. Yeah, sucks, man. And getting hit with that chain sucks. <laughs> that just fucking sucks. Yeah. But it was really good. Really enjoyed it. Is is not. It's a really good feeling when you come out of a match and you feel like you've put, you know, you've worked hard. You know, you did a good job. You know, of doing what you're meant to do, and that is that's one of those times. And you know, you've done a good job when the next day you wake up and you feel like utter shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, those are your kind of uh, uh, reminders of what a good match it was, I suppose, and how good a job you did. Um, yep. But uh, I, I mean, just just my final points on on your WWE run, and I think, and I'm, I'm speaking for you here, you'll be able to kind of clarify. But probably the the greatest thing about your time um, in NXT UK or under the WWE banner for for as long as you were was that you were able to share that time and your experience with your closest friends in the whole world, not just in the wrestling world, but in, you know, in your personal life with, uh, you know, Mark Andrews, Flash, Eddie, um, and all the other UK talent and, and Welsh contingent that were there with you. Um, but uh, that's probably the best memories that you'll take with you from it, I would say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had some incredible times there. Um, we had to stay down there for numerous weeks of the numerous weeks of the month and stuff like that. We'd had we'd had some fast time, fantastic times. Uh, it's you know, it's it, again, it's it's a, it's a crazy thing to think about working for the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. It's an incre- it's an even crazier idea to think about working for the biggest wrestling promotion in the world with your best friends and who you started wrestling with. And not just, you know, who you started wrestling with around about 10 to 15 years ago. And in Flash's case, 20. (laughs) You know, so that alone is an incredible feat. And I feel like I'm quite proud of us, to be honest, that we that we did that, you know, and and on another note as well, everyone on the brand, I would have been around for years as well right even though we're not in this you know scottish lads for example i know the scottish lad noam uh all the coffees uh kenny and stuff like that i've known them for years just through being around at the same time all people from london midlands boys you just know you know you just know them because we've all been around a similar length of time so all the places they were working i was working so you kind of grow up with them in the business and then we all kind of got signed together same time brought in together had same had similar experiences so it was a very cool thing i thought i think nxt uk was an incredibly cool thing uh to be a part of and very grateful for it Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to take you all the way back in time now, Mike, and to talk about kind of your early days in the business. You, you touched upon um, the, the backyarding and everything like that, but I know in the mid to late 2000s, you used to wrestle quite a bit for uh, Welsh wrestling and Celtic wrestling. Celtic wrestling. Um, but uh, those days, those early days, those early years um, were quite crucial to your development, weren't they? And like I say, you were coming up through the business with some of the names we already mentioned, but how important were those days with some of them promotions that I mentioned to your career then, Mike? So I blame, I, I blame, that's an interesting word. I credit 
Welsh wrestling for teaching me how to wrestle. I might have learned how to bump and I might have learned how to this you know this and the other at schools, but actually learning the business, I credit Welsh wrestling for that. You know, uh so yeah, this is crucial because again, going back to the conversation we had earlier, there was no real wrestling in Wales. Celtic had stopped really and they weren't really running that often and there was not a lot of people there I could work with to get better. Welsh wrestling were bringing, we're using people like James Mason, who later became, you know, the recent years was a coach at NXT UK. So that's how that's how good he is. But he, James Mason is a underrated figure, I think, in the in British wrestling for who he just and to him he just wrestles, he just goes places and yeah. and wrestles everyone. But to the people he's wrestling, he's making them better, right? And not only the people who watch him, I remember specifically not necessarily wrestling him yet, but just watching him and just looking at his movement, looking at how he did certain things and just thinking, shit, me, okay, this is this is this is real now. This is a real pro. Uh so yeah, back to the original question, Welsh wrestling, incredibly important for the amount, not only the who I was around, who I was working with, but also for the amount of reps that I got all around the country. I saw places of Wales I would never I never knew existed. Little towns I never knew existed. Um just through wrestling all the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh for anybody watching live at home, there's still time to get your questions in for Wild Ball Mike Hitchman. So send them through to us and uh, we'll do our best to bring them up on screen and ask Mike before the end of this broadcast. But uh um jumping a little bit further ahead now Mike and I want to talk about attack Pro wrestling. Now, it might be an indie group that not many people have heard of, but I know that um, it had its fan base um, from the, the late 2000s, early 2010s, all the way through. Um, and um, uh, the reason why I bring this up is because Attack Pro Wrestling, it was, it was the first indie experience I had back in 2014. It was late 2014. And coincidentally, you was on that card. Um, and uh, like I said, I think it was a, a Christmas kind of uh, card. Um, let's, let's see if I can bring up the name of the show, but uh, um, I'll, I'll find it in a minute. But it, it was absolutely fantastic. It would, um, it would, it would have been Mistletoe. It would have been the Mistletoe one of oh, the nights because we always... Santa's still real to us, damn it. Oh, too. That was pre Santa's still real to us, damn it, too. Oh, that's... Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, in that in that match, uh, you had Flash Morgan Webster who was uh playing uh Kevin out of Home Alone, and you had uh, the Wet Bandits there. I can't remember, I think Dan Maloney might have been one of the Wet Bandits. Um, it was Dan Maloney um, and the good, and 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and you were there on that card playing the Grinch uh, yeah. against uh, Ryan Smile, um, who's playing Rudolph. Uh, but uh, well, like I say, that was the very first experience of an indie show. And I want to credit Matt Bayless, good friend of mine, who took me along to the Trinity Centre yeah. in Bristol uh, back in uh, late 2014. But uh, any kind of uh, recollections back to that show? And like I say, and I remember seeing you at the merch stand uh, halfway through the match. I think uh, that was probably before uh, halfway through the show, I, I should say. But uh, uh, like I say, fun memories, fun times. Attack for wrestling is fun. Is um, uh, we're talking about learning curves and learning certain things and um, going up a level with uh, your work and being that professional wrestler. For me, attack for wrestling took not only me but a bunch of different people and on the wrestling scene. And to be honest, I think attack for wrestling took the wrestling scene up a notch 
I think if we look if we look back at what Attack was doing, Attack was doing certain things before other promotions were doing certain things. Whether they know it or not, I do believe certain people are looking at Attack and going, "Oh, that's a good idea." Or just thinking, "Oh, that's that people like that. I like that. Let's do something similar." But that specific show you're on about, I know, and then we spoke about this earlier, right? <laughs> uh, I'll mention I'll mention it. I remember, so I was painted up green as the Grinch. The Grinch, yeah. As the Grinch. But I only did my top half. And this sticks with me. This is the only thing that sticks out of me with that show. Painted the top half on the face. Didn't do my legs. And I was looking on Twitter afterwards. And just to see, oh, what do people think of the match? And the only the only comment I remember is, oh, he didn't even paint his legs. I was like, oh, okay. It's <laughs> well, a great feedback. <laughs> fantastic. All right. I'll just, yeah, I'll just go and... I'll, I'll just go away, you know, I'll just, you know, whatever. But, yeah, those um, attack, the, the missile, the, so later became the mistletoe. I think that might have been the second Christmas show that we did. They later became the mistletoes, that, which we did. Uh, so it became, rather than doing one show on the Christmas period, we did, like, two or three shows on the Christmas period. We just run all the venues. We would do, like, Bristol, Cheltenham, and Cate's. Yeah, uh, so we do them over, over over a certain period of time, uh, and they were just the highlight of the year for everyone. I think everyone was on those shows. It was the highlight of the year. It was fantastic, and they always they always had some mad. You know, it was always we'd have like snow holes barred matches where the weapons were, um, uh, the, 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 like baubles and stuff like that. Uh, Flash would always want to be in in a bloody Home Alone match. I did yeah. one with him this year. This is it's his favorite. The Home Alone films are his favorite films, right? So when he got the chance to be able to do them, right, he would not shut up about them. Right? Just not shut up. He love. He loves those films so much. He was like getting a candy shop. He was doing their matches. Yeah. Um, he was like running around. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um. Yeah, I was trying to think of anything else that went on. Well, I'll tell you another thing that, that I remember about that show, and it was a very young Tyler Bate. Now, this yeah. was 2014. I think he probably came onto the scene maybe a year or so earlier. And, and even 2014, he was probably about 16 years old, maybe a bit younger, I'm not sure. And he was already jacked, um, already yeah. kind of close to being the finished article. And he was in a, a two-on-one match. Um, and uh, to look at him, you wouldn't realise he was so young. Like I say, he's already well developed physically and uh, and uh, like I say, mentally in the ring. Um, but uh, really, really tremendous. And, and like I say, it was a bit of a launching pad. Attack Pro Wrestling was a bit of a launching pad. I'm going to read off some names here, but. Pete Dunn, of course, Tyler Bate, yourself, Mark Andrews, Flash, Eddie, and so many more. You know, Chris Brooks was on the show regularly, Nixon Newell, um, and uh, like I say, all the names that went on to do great things in the UK uh, and internationally. So uh, I think, as you said, Attack Pro Wrestling probably doesn't get the credit it deserves for what an important part it played in uh, the kind of expansion or the explosion yeah. of Brit Wrestling. I remember, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, I I remember after Tyler and Pete did that match, the rematch of the year, yeah, at Takeover in Chicago. Chicago, yeah. I remember a week or two weeks later, they did a match in Attack where they were both each other, <clears throat> and did that match. In I K remember. I remember. You are not. You were never going to see 
anything like that anywhere else. You're just not. And this, like, so not, not only was the in ring some of the best going, that but the stories and the uh, everything surrounding the actual in ring was fantastic. Like, absolutely mind blowing how, how they were coming up with this stuff. But the characters you had, you had old Papa Sunflower, you had Love Making Demon. Um, <laughs> people like that. <laughs> then you had like the, the angles of like Pete Dunn feuding with Jim Lee, who was the ring announcer we used to wrestle, and it culminating in like a big Survivor Series match. You know, which was insane. I was like, I was. I remember what, I was, if I wasn't involved in them, I was watching them, and I was just like a fan watching them, and we was just I was just losing my mind just watching these matches. I, I wouldn't want to get involved i don't want i don't know I, I don't want to know what's happening i'll do my thing and then other people do their thing so i was just watching and i remember just being i just, lo- just loving them oh, such fun times man so the best, the best times the best times the tackle wrestling is the best yeah as soon as i finish this interview i'm gonna go and uh, try and find my attack uh, dvds and uh, put some of those on but i mean one of the highlights from that show that i was in december 2014 i think that was the last match of mark andrews um, before he went over to the States to start wrestling for Impact as well. So well, that was quite a, a special moment to kind of be there to see him wrestle his last UK match before going over to America. So that's that's really, really cool. Um, and uh, I want to talk a bit about some of your some of your accolades now then, Mike. Uh, and uh, I like I like lists, so I'm going to reel off this list. You're a former five-time Attack 24-7 champion, a former Attack champion, uh, a former two-time uh, Kings of Chaos champion, a former uh, ICW tag team champion, and a former Scottish junior heavyweight champion, and so many more. I could go on forever and ever with your accolades, but tell us about some of your accolades, some of your championships, um, and uh, that, that you're most proud of, and, and, and what what they kind of mean to you uh, today. Um, so the one that comes to mind is the the so the Scottish Junior Heavyweight one was the SWA zero one Junior Heavyweight. Yeah. I remember at the time, uh, Scottish Wrestling Alliance was kind of like the Scottish base of Zero One in Japan. As mentioned earlier, that you know Japan's always been a goal for me. Um, so to win the inaugural tournament at the time uh, and have that belt was really was really something cool for me. Especially not being based in Scotland, so that you know being you know going up there and winning it was really cool. Um, and you know ICW. Uh, winning the tag belts with Mike Bird um, in Newcastle was a fantastic moment. The, the crowd reaction was incredible. The reaction we had afterwards as well was really good. Um, so that was just a, a really, really proud moment for me. Um, winning the Attack Pro Wrestling belt uh, at London in the Dome from Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, not that's the 24-7 one, but... Ah, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the um actually I got the belt here. Thinking about it. Still got it. <laughs> <laughs> but that but that winning uh, the belt from Flash Morgan Webster at the dome was a really cool one for me because we had a nice little we had a good little build over a couple of months and I was really proud of the match that me and Flash had that had that night. Uh no, the twenty four seven one throw was really fun as well. I remember like doing like winning it a few times in Cardiff High Street, 
Um, it was quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can imagine that the uh, 24-7 uh, title defences in attack were uh, nothing less than uh, than hilarious, if nothing if, else. If we uh, did that now with the people that we originally filmed that with, it would be an incredible sight. Because you, you would have had yeah. Mark, Chris Brooks, Tyler, Pete Dunn, myself, Eddie, Flash Morgan Webster, running down... <laughs> <laughs> running down Cardiff High Street, same you know, St. Mary Street or wherever, jumping off walls onto each other with one of the other people counting the fall. I mean Brilliant. Besides the fact we're all in our thirties <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd have some in, some mad looks from uh, people who understood what uh, who we were and what we were doing. Mike, that's got to happen. That's got to happen at some point. So you're going to have to get in touch with the boys and see if you can arrange it next time you're in the UK. <laughs> Talk to us a bit about the, the wild boar gimmick, um, because I know that it's developed and it's evolved um, into what we know today. But first of all, when did the nickname wild boar come about and how did it come about? Uh, so I got the nickname at uh, when I was working for Welsh Wrestling. So initially came about, it's actually interesting, I, I think it's an interesting story. So for me, I just wanted to wrestle. I, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to wrestle, I wanted to get on shows and wrestle on a regular basis. So the promoter of Welsh Wrestling uh, said to me, he was like, I, I, I want to use you, you you're good attitude and you, you're decent in the ring, but I need some sort of gimmick. I need some sort of thing for you because I don't just book wrestlers because they're like family oriented crowds he wanted something which was something a bit different right um so we, i was having to think he was having to think um and i remember coming up with he though for some reason he'd always wanted a clown gimmick and to me i didn't care i was just like all right i'll be a clown um and i remember just buying like face paint and like doing face paint on my face right and i don't know if you know the czw wrestler joker yeah so i'm i've heavily based the clown to me i thought that's ah, cool if i'm gonna be a clown i can be a cool clown so i just more or less ripped off that gimmick right i ripped off the cool face bit and i sent it to him and i thought it looked pretty cool and he was like ah that's a bit that's a bit too much a bit too too real too scary maybe not i was like oh fuck, fair enough um i remember at the time as well i was very into like wild pegasus matches in japan and he and the promoter knew this. And for some reason, uh, I mean, I say for some reason, I'm kind of small, hairy, and a lot of teeth, and you know, got a certain look. And he just suggested, he was like, Do you want to be the wild boar? Wild Pegasus, wild boar. That's kind of how he sold it to me. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, but like I said, I didn't really care. I just wanted to wrestle and just kind of get in there and, and just be able to, to work, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how that came around. And then as, uh, I progressed. Uh, I had a lot of feedback off certain, off of him and other, and other people as well who would look at the character, look at me, look what I did in ring, and then I have certain advice like, oh, well, if you're if you're a wild boar, wouldn't you just do this on the other? And then I got me thinking like, okay, well, I'll maybe I'll behave this way and I'll start, I'll, I'll 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 work this way, uh, and I you know I'll make everything original to me. If this is why if this is who I am, then this is who I am in the ring. This is this is gonna be as real as you know, this is real to me. You know, I will I will work this way and this is how I will wrestle. This is how I will do it. And it gradually just evolved via trial and error. Yeah. In certain things 
doing things in a certain way. Um, and then I mean, your continue. offense is very unique, Mike. I mean, your offense. I mean, some of your moves certainly the the, the running kind of uh, uh, shoulder tackle, uh, almost like a spear, and then your inverted uh, cannonball sent on into the corner, which is absolutely insane. Um, and uh, your your package pile driver. Uh, like I say, your move set is very unique, but but perfect uh, for you. Um, and uh, like I say that the, the character, just to take it one step further. I mean, look at you know the, the mask. Um, I know that you've you've gone the whole nine yards with the uh, contacts as well, um, but uh, the, the the gear, it's um, absolutely phenomenal. And of course, your jacket, certainly the one you're using in NXT UK, had like either um, uh, horns or tusks coming out of it as well. Um, so it's obviously a, a gimmick um, and a persona and a look that's that's evolved to the point that we've got now, basically. But, um, yeah, yeah. T t tell us a bit more about the look. So the, you say I wear the contacts. I don't wear the contacts anymore. And the reason being is I thought I took it too far. Um, I thought I took it too far with a certain way. And I was like, okay, this is not – I don't want to go – I don't want to be this yeah. animal anymore. I don't want to just be this, this non – personified uh, thing in the ring. So I thought, right, I'll drop the contacts. I'll uh, talk. I'll make sure that I can be related to as a person. Yeah. Because uh, I think that is, that's the evolution. So even though I've gone, I've even though I've, I've added, added, added stuff in terms of contacts and other things, taken away is also evolve in that certain character because it's you could you take things to a certain level and anything okay well this has gone too far now so you know i can pull back and go a different way because this yeah. is how i want to present myself and this is how i want to behave um and we talk about like it's, it's an interesting concept uh to me because we talk about characters and we talk about gimmicks and stuff like that as much as being called the wild boar and this and the other is obviously some sort of character and gimmick. It's it's not really because if you drop me in a ring right now, that's just how I would act. It's just kind of how I do it. It's not, I, I don't really put it on per se. And that might sound quite weird. But it's not just, I don't just put it on as just kind of who yeah. and what I do. <laughs> You know, gotcha, hundred uh, percent. We had another question before we went live uh, tonight, Mike, and it's from uh, Richie Stubbs via Facebook. Uh, hello, uh, welcome back. Uh, my favourite match of yours is against Dan Maloney in uh, the Bingo Hall in Cardiff. I think that was just a short while ago in a match that you were alluding to earlier on. Uh, but what is your favourite match that you've ever had? Uh, a really kind of interesting question, and uh, it stumps a lot of my guests when they get asked this question. But uh, mm -hmm. have you got a, a, a favourite match that you've ever had, then, Mike? Um, firstly, thank you. That is one of my, that is act that is one of my favorites for numerous reasons. Um, but what was my favorite match? It's very hard, very hard question to answer that. Um. So, to me, to judge a favourite match, I think what 
I, I'm not going to be able to give you an answer. I can give you criteria of what I think makes, yeah. makes a favourite match to me. It's when I performed better than I thought I could going in. So I did it and I came back and I thought, shit, I did, you know, I was, I'm happy with that. I did well. But not through confidence of before I went out there. It was more, uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to do that. And I did it. And now I'm all the better for it. You know, that makes sense. Absolutely. It's a very, very odd answer. I appreciate for that. But uh, yeah. yeah. Totally get yeah. it. Totally get it. And uh, just to back up, uh, Richie, there, it's a little photo from when you and the driller were in the ring. I think that was possibly from the the show that he was referring to. Um, but uh, like I say, yeah. he's come on leaps and bounds and uh, having the, the time of his life, the year of his life. But uh, one of the final questions from me, then, Mike, before we go back to the, the favorite match answer. So, as go an on. example, that match is an example of being one, it's why it's one of my favorite matches is because I didn't know that was happening until yeah. three hours before it happened. Wow. Because um, for, for whatever reason, I was asked to do the show early on. I wasn't expecting to do it. I was at a family meal when the when the call came through, and I was like, this is like the day after, two days after I got released. And I was asked to do that, and I was kind of in my head a little bit like, oh, I, I don't know, like, am I going to be able to do a match of what I'm expected to do you know, they and did they had a bat, you know, had a fight with Dan, yeah, and came off the back of it like shit me. I didn't think I was gonna be able to do something like that, you know, after not doing anything like that for however long. You surprised so, yourself, yeah. I surprised myself. That's something that I consider to be a, a highlight for me in wrestling is when I can come back and go, Oh, I did well there. Well done because I'm a big critic of myself. So to come back and think, oh, I take something from that, I'd be proud of that. That's what, that to me is what makes a, a, a favourite match. Awesome. And uh, thank you, Richie, again, for sending in that question. Uh, really, really awesome. Um, but as we as we start to, to wind down then, Mike, um, <clears throat> and, and a similar question to a certain degree, uh, but uh, do you have, a, what are some of your proudest moments in your career? Now, you mentioned that you, you started backyarding at a young age and broke into the business at a young age, and you've been, uh, let's say, all over the country, all over Europe. Um, and like I say, joined the, the biggest wrestling organization in the world and back onto the Indies in 2022. But do you have any specific proud moments that you can look back on with pride? Yeah, so it's the it's debuting at the Royal Albert Hall is a really proud moment for me. Um, Motor Point Arena on that show was a really proud moment for me. Um, the chain match, the dog collar match is a, wow. is a, yeah. is a proud moment for me. Um in a more recent one, like Dan Maloney, again, that working with Dan Maloney is a really proud moment for me because of the reason I just said. Yeah. Um, kind of just touching on what just touching on what we were just talking about. To be honest, like the ACW uh, moment when we won the tag belts. Yeah. Uh, wrestling Gav, uh, wrestling Flash in uh, in London, but also uh, one thing that really means a lot to me um, as I get on in wrestling is because I'm so heavily involved with coaching a lot of people I have been um, for a long time 
uh, with Dragon Pro for about six, seven years before being involved with the coaching at uh, New Wave, the Brennan White runs in New uh, Newport. Um, having certain people's first matches, as a re like Brendan White, uh, Brendan White's first match in wrestling, which is a really proud moment for me. Um, for numerous reasons, he was one of my best mates, and just looking at how far he's come on. Danny Jones, I didn't have his first match, but I remember being in the match where I thought, oh my God, he's got it, he's got it. I remember, you know, it was like a multi-man thing. I remember going, it was actually at Welsh wrestling, as it goes. But I remember thinking, oh, he's got it, he's he's got it. Um, I had a big hand in training uh, Nixon Newell. Um, when she got signed, massively, massively proud of her. Yeah. Um, Danny Luna, um, big hand, still trainer on a regular basis. Um, and she's killing it, you know, when she comes back off her, off her knee injury, she's going to be, she's going to be gone. She's going to be one of the best, uh, one of the top uh, female talents in Europe, in my opinion. I mean, she already is, but I think, you know, when she can go, she can go. Then uh, just to name a few, right? You've got Bino, incredible talent. Elijah I was talking about earlier, splits my pins, bowler armor in general. Um, and then you've got your newer guys like, like James Ellis is, you know, great talent. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of names. I'm not, and I'm not bigging myself up with the coaching because it, like uh, what I mean by what I'm saying here is that all these guys put so much effort in, into training um, that it's so rewarding to see them, see it pay off for them. Cause they you can only, you know, as a coach, you can only kind of reward what is what you see. Right. So yeah. they, they put in the effort in, they, they're, and they're reaping the rewards from how much effort they put in and the and how good they are. To be honest, and it's so humbling when people like uh, uh, Jay Josh was another one, but Splits McPins Splits McPins has been training uh, with me and with the places that I've been involved in for. Me, I think he might have been doing it for eight years, and he's. He could be up and down. Same with Elijah. These boys, they could be up and down. They are up and down the country working on a regular basis, but they still choose to come and train at the sections that I train, and that is incredibly humbling because, to be honest, they're just getting reps at this point. <laughs> they're just getting reps. I don't. I can't. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm. They, to me, they are my peers. You know. I'm. I'm we we work out together at this point, but it's so cool. Uh, to see these boys and these girls just reaping the rewards of all their hard work, and that is a uh, as a proud moment. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm sure that they, you know, have a ton of respect for you and a ton of respect for what you've done for the business. And uh, like I say, uh, a very exciting future for those individuals you've mentioned uh, and for yourself. But um, um, before we go, uh, an opportunity, Mike, for you to throw out your, your socials. So uh, uh, where any of my listeners or, or uh, followers can reach out to you, say hi, get to know a bit more about uh, Wild Ball, maybe see some of your matches or maybe buy some of your merch. Um, and uh, I do have your socials running along the bottom of the screen for Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. But the floor is yours, my friend. So, uh, yeah, if you just want to follow me on Instagram, Wild Ball Hitchman, um, that's all there. All the Twitter on the bottom there. There we go. Well, I think I found my Etsy somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but um, you um, know, just, just search Wild Boar or Wild Boar Mike Hitchman, and it comes up straight away. Whatever platform you're on. Have, um, uh, so I've got a pro wrestling tees as well. 
funny, I got out some older t-shirts, so just been up on there. So we're going for rest and tease, search for Wild Boar. There's the collection, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're the man. Okay. I have a, a big cartel as well. All links for that should be on my social media. <clears throat> um, any shows and stuff that I'm on, I'll be posting uh, uh, on all my social media as it comes. So, yeah, all yeah. them social medias. Yeah, and uh, we've got some um, match graphics for some up-and-coming matches, um, and I think this is possibly one of your next ones against Kid Lycos, and you mentioned Kid Lycos earlier on. That's going to be a tremendous match. Once again, from the Bingo Hall in Cardiff, um, and then, of course, uh, you've got this one here, which I believe is in Ireland, uh, Fight Factory Pro Wrestling um, against uh, Martin Steer, and that's going to be October the 21st. Um, and then a little way off, but in November, um, you are scheduled to be facing a good friend of yours, Eddie Dennis. Um, and uh, what, what promotion is that for? That's in Swansea, but I'm not sure of the promotion. Um, that's run by uh, Defend. Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then um, tying yourself and Eddie together, you're going over to Canada to do some some coaching um, yeah. and uh, some uh, uh, some some things there with Eddie. So very exciting times. And like I say, you're going to be a busy man. You have been a busy man already. Uh, but yeah. some fun matches and some fun experiences to be had there, Mike. Yeah, man. Definitely can't wait. Absolutely. And b- before we let you go, I just want to announce who my next uh, guest on Wrestling with John is, is going to be. And uh, just bring up the graphic here. I announced it first off last week. Um, and it is the aforementioned Mike but uh, I don't know if he goes by the name Flying Mike Bird anymore, but uh, Mike, Mike Wishes. Bird. Mike, yeah. I, saw him, I saw him at the tram shed in Cardiff a few weeks back, and I tell you what, he hadn't missed a step. He didn't uh, hasn't uh, lost a step there at all. But next Monday, uh, so not too many days, about five days away, I'll be speaking to Mike Bird on Monday the 10th, live on Wrestling With John's podcast, 8 p.m. UK time. Uh, that is an interview you are not going to want to miss because uh, Mike Bird don't tend to do interviews. He's, uh, you know, he's quite he likes to keep himself to himself. So that'll be interesting to hear uh, from uh, from his own to uh, from his own mouth and to, to see, to listen about his, his wrestling journey and his history. And I'm sure uh, Mr. Hitchman would probably come up in one or two stories, but that's going to be a fantastic interview with Mike Bird, I'm sure. Um, yeah but, uh, there we go definitely tune in for that uh, but before we let you go then mike and it's been uh fascinating speaking to you for the last uh, hour and 15 minutes but if you've got a final message for your friends fans followers um uh, and possibly you know any anybody in the business that might be watching this um if you've got a message for them now that you're back on the indies um and uh, you know for all their support and love uh what would you like to say to them mike um the- put me on a spot now i don't know um i just love wrestling yeah love wrestling enjoy it it's the best absolutely absolutely couldn't have said it better myself but uh wild boar mike hitchman thank you so much for being an excellent guest my friend and uh, i'll see you down the road thank you thank you